Hi, and thank you for listening to the podcast, The Investigator Insight. I'm your host, John Mackey, a licensed professional private investigator. Today, we're going to be talking to Mrs. Uh, Rebecca Kramer on the missing five in the state of Missouri. Now, thank you, Ms. Kramer, for allowing us to talk to you about these cases. The, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, uh, I've worked with Town Square Media um, in their different iterations since 2004. Okay. Um, when I started, I was part-time and still in college. Okay. Um, I've only recently, in the last few years, um, joined the news department, where I would call myself a, a beat reporter. Okay. I basically cover the Sedalia Police reports and the Pettis County Sheriff's reports. I don't... Uh, I don't cover Missouri State Highway Patrol or anything like that, and I'm not really an investigative journalist so much as a reporting on what happened, <laughs> but uh, they would also refer to me as a content creator, so about half of what I do is silly and fun, hosting the morning show, and then the other half of what I do is the serious straight news part. So um, it's kind of half and half on that. The post that you were referring to from back in 2017, I would say, is more more in my content creator mode rather than full-on investigative mode in that I offered opinions and I speculated in that original post that if I were to be um, sharing direct facts now, I don't think I would do that. But I think it's entertaining for what it is, right? Oh, exactly. And uh, the article was great. I read it and caught my attention. That's why I reached out to see if you would talk to us. Uh, Oh, sure. And and it did catch a lot of attention at the time, and it still does. Uh, Periodically, I still get... Every now and then I'll get an email or a, a, a message on Facebook from someone asking about it, but uh, these kind of things happen. The, the internet is forever. So. Well, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, on this Dana Bruce, uh, the one that yeah. you mentioned, um, tell me a little bit about that. What do you know about that one? Oh, well, I didn't know uh, Dana Bruce personally, mm-hmm. um, but from what I know of what happened, she was a young mother with two children yes. who had decided to go out in town for once, and from all accounts, it seems like this was very rare for her to do, her being a young mother, working mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had elected to go out, had a babysitter that night, and at the end of the evening, she reached out to her babysitter and said, I'm going to stay out, can you stay with the kids tonight? The babysitter said yes. Nobody ever heard from Dana again. Now, she was at a bar uh, downtown, which was on uh, Main Street here in Sedalia, called Malone's on Main. And unfortunately, nobody really had much information on the guy she left with. There was a description of his truck. The police did get in contact with him. But uh, he said he didn't see her after that evening, and he basically left the state. From what I understand, he went to Georgia, and uh, he got in some minor trouble down there for drug-related offenses, but nothing has ever come up in a connection between him and her again. I see. Um, in the short term, uh, what happened here in town is, as, as it does in a small town, rumors went flying, and uh, there was a lot of speculation. And, and as a result, unfortunately, the owner had to close his bar because so many people associated the Dana Bruce case with his bar. 
So um, they he had to close that down. He rebranded it. Eventually, it closed out completely, and he moved locations. Um, but for a long time, people did associate going downtown with you better have a friend with you or you're going to go missing like in Bruce. Oh, I see. Um, but, uh, you know, she does have a dedicated uh, friends and family group that still to this day try to get information about her disappearance and try to find information on what happened uh, around town. You'll always see somebody with a placard on the back of their car or a flyer on a on a, a pole or, or in every community calendar bulletin board, there's going to be something about Dana Bruce. Mm. Even years later, the family and friends are still very much aware of her case and they want to keep it in the public eye. Oh, I see. Yeah, very true. That, that Dana Bruce tribute page can be found on Facebook. Uh, mm. Just to let the listeners know all that. And, um, matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now and I, the, uh, latest comment on here looks like to be July 10th of 2021 mm. with the missing persons postered on here um, like her date of birth was 7-10-1985 went missing October 4th 2008 age of disappearance was 23 um, obviously which will make her about 36-37 right now right Exactly, and she's a white female with brown hair, green eyes, five foot three, ninety pounds. At uh, disappearance, uh, and anybody can go to that Dana, uh, I see Dana Bruce tribute page on Facebook, and please send them a message if you have uh, any information, or call the Sedalia Police Department. Wise. I'm sorry again. No, I just said I would yes, and definitely oh, yes. encourage the them oh. to call the Sedalia Police. A lot of times. Um, stuff can get kind of lost exactly. on Facebook. So exactly, we can uh, touch base on the second person was Timothy Gibson, but like, mm-hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about him as well. Um, well, from what I could ascertain from, and and again, all of the stuff that I got from that post was from the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Okay, I didn't get anything from you know Facebook or from speculation. I got it all from what the the Highway Patrol listed on their missing person site. Right. Um, from what I understand, uh, Timothy had gone to the hospital one evening, and he had been either drugged or assaulted. I, I, again, my memory is a little fuzzy with that, so I'm, I apologize for that. Um, he was discharged, and he was never seen again. Mm. And that was several years ago. They found remains in 2015, and identified them as his remains in 2021. Um, again, I didn't have a personal note to this story except for one connection. Um, after the post was published, uh, I wasn't at the radio station at the time, but it was maybe a few days afterwards. It was before remains were found. It was definitely in 2017. Uh, his mother came to the radio station and was was crying and weeping and wanted to talk to me because she had said she wanted to say thank you because she felt like people had forgotten about him. Oh, right. And 
and that she really appreciated that it wasn't just women who were listed as missing in my right. post because she felt like my son is just as important. Right. And I didn't get to speak to her, but it, it was nice to hear from her that she appreciated that because a lot of times, especially in a post like that, you can hear from friends and family and other extended people who maybe aren't so happy about right. what you wrote. Well, the uh, Missouri Department of Conservation agent found his remains right. uh, in a densely wooded area near his today uh, subdivision. Mm. It was later on. It's also worth mentioning that due to the COVID, the uh, things have got delayed in actually doing mm -hmm. the identification of his remains. But um, obviously, I think it was on, uh, let's see, Gibson's mom was um, let I believe know. April of 2021. Yeah, that the remains actually mm. belong to your missing son. So that gave them some mm -hmm. closure. Right. And, you know, obviously your your help uh, gave the mom a, a better closure. So, uh, I guess so. I guess we can talk about Angela Marie Hammond. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, she went missing in 1991. What can you tell me about her? Uh, well, from what I recall of the story, it's actually quite frightening. Um, this was in the days before cell phones and stuff like that. So Angela was four months pregnant at the time and had gone to use uh, the payphone in town to call her boyfriend, Robbie. And she was speaking on the phone with him when a unusual truck started driving around the block. She didn't know this person. She thought it was weird. They kept circling the block. And eventually this person parked, used the payphone, mm -hmm. and then left again, came back, and they were looking for something with a flashlight. Angela thought, well, maybe they need to use the payphone again. Maybe I should leave. And they said, no, you're fine. And she was still on the phone with Robbie at this time, so Robbie heard all of this. And out of nowhere, he heard Angela scream. The phone, she dropped the phone. Immediately, Robbie hung up. He got in his truck. He drove to the, uh, the payphone. And as he got there, uh, this other truck was pulling away, the one that Angela had described. And as he was catching up to it, he heard Angela yell, Robbie. But he put his truck in reverse to try to change to not change but to chase this truck right. and as he did that ended up blowing his transmission so he chased the truck as far as he could and eventually lost sight of it um, as far as I know there's been no word of remains or any word of any other tips in that case since then but uh, as far as I know from the investigation uh, Robbie was fully cooperative and completely uh, vetted as being a completely honest witness on that mm, interesting. but it's unfortunate because she was pregnant and because you know it all happened so suddenly and I'm sure that in a way, Robbie must still blame himself. Like, if only I had driven differently, I could have caught up to it, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure every uh, witness or, or family member feels that way about their own missing person case. Sure. Uh, the article that I've, I've read on this one a little bit, so, mm. yeah, and then uh, it was Officer Abbott from Clinton Police Department, I think, has been working on this one. Mm. Vowed that it'd never be a cold case file, but Right, and to to his uh, to his great uh, 
with someone I'm looking for. <laughs> right. It's, well, it was, it was good, good for him, is what I should say. Right. Uh, that'd be worth something that maybe I can call in and see what they're doing about that. Yeah, hmm. If anything new. Uh, which brings us back to uh, one I find ex- is Glass 2 on this list of mine is really uh, interesting to me. Like the Springfield 3, the, the three ladies, age 47, 19, and 18 from Springfield, they all come up missing. Uh, when I read the um, an article on that one, uh, there was like a lot of, uh, everything was there at the, at the house. Uh, one of the girls' mother was 47, I believe it was 19 years old, was the daughter, and 18, I'm assuming he's a friend. Right. What can you tell me about this one? Um, well, this one, uh, again, I didn't have any uh, personal knowledge of, mm-hmm. um, but from what I read, it was that the girls were graduating, and they had attended an after-graduation party. They ended up coming back home about 2 o'clock in the morning. They were going to stay at the house the party was at, but there, there were too many people there, right. so they decided to go back home. And... Uh, when they did, uh, nobody heard from them or saw them since. In fact, the mother of the other girl who was the friend who had gone along, uh, when she didn't find her daughter or find her daughter home that next morning, she immediately called the police. Um, unfortunately, there were a lot of concerned friends and family of the girls and, and the mother who had come into the house and were looking around and were trying to, to find clues and who had cleaned up things thinking they were being helpful and what they did was they completely corrupted the crime scene so there was no way police could get footprints they couldn't get fingerprints they couldn't get um, a lot of things that could have been good clues as to who had broken into the house when they broke into the house how they broke into the house um, a lot of that was gone because of people who were well-meaning but people who essentially corrupted the crime scene. So since then, there hasn't been much, as far as I know, in terms of tips or clues. But again, I don't think this one is completely closed. I think that the local police department is still keeping that one open. Yeah, I've been a long time on that one. It's like uh, this article I'm looking at. Uh, Cheryl Elizabeth Levitt was the mother of Susan Susie mm-hmm. Elizabeth Streeter. And Stacy. Kathleen McCall was a close friend of Susan. And uh, mom was born in 1944, her daughter was born in 1973, and her friend, her daughter's best friend was in 1974. Um, And they, let's see, teens attended a graduation party, like you said, and all ended up at Cheryl Levitt's house at 1717 East Delmar Street. On the day the report missing, the front door of the house was left open. The family dog was left behind, plus the money, clothing, cars, keys, and other personal items. Yet the police uh, couldn't figure out any of no apparent signs of struggle. So I can see where it'd be a dead well, mystery. There was one unfortunate sign of struggle, and the outside porch light was broken. Oh, okay. Um, that was broken, but unfortunately, like I said, the family cleaned it up, thinking they were helping. Oh, yeah. So they cleaned up all the glass, and they cleaned up, the, they, they thought they were helping. And what they did was they destroyed an important piece of evidence. Oh, I see. Which it's, is unfortunate. I mean, they didn't mean to, obviously, but... Well, um, also on here, the FBI has been involved, along with the Missouri State Highway Patrol, and there was <laughs> other law enforcement agencies. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, uh, it's pretty much ongoing. It's something worth looking back into. Let's see. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see what else we got. Was arrested on, oh, uh, 2019, uh, Bart Strader, son of Cheryl Levitt, and the brother of Susie was arrested on suspicion of public intoxication. So it's conduct. Attempted false imprisonment from an unrelated incident in Tennessee. Uh, uh-huh. He was investigated over the cold case file years ago, but eventually eliminated as a suspect, which is really good. You know, you'd hate to think that the brother would be uh, implicated in that. Right, and, and one less suspect is always a good thing, because you can focus more on, exactly. on uh, the thing in hand, right. Um, let's see, that's something obviously I'm going to keep an eye on and see if anything else pops on that one. Now, this last one that we have is Robert Lee Wagner. Tell, tell me about that one. Oh boy, okay, so this one is is complicated. Yeah. And uh, it's it's because um, right. uh, again I, I took all of my information from from the Missouri State Highway Patrol and as far as I know they haven't changed that information. Um, but from what they said at the time, and again this is 2017, uh, that he had gone missing, uh, he hadn't used any of his bank accounts, his driver's license had expired. Uh, Nobody could could find him, and according to the Highway Patrol, at the time he had been missing for. All, but the Highway Patrol does mention that he has several warrants for his arrest. If he is still alive and is still missing, he he does have warrants for his arrest. Um, and so, admittedly, you know, since I was working at the time as more of a content creator and not necessarily as a news reporter, right. I offered my opinion that I thought he had gone missing on purpose. Right. And uh, oh, so I'm not exactly sure what the actual truth of that is. All I know is that according to High Patrol, he is still missing and still wanted. Now that'd be interesting to look into that as well and probably keep, keep mm. tabs on that. Okay, well, that's... That'll about wrap it up on this cold case. So, um, like I said, it, Dana Bruce, um, I'll be looking into this more on her, Angela Hammond, uh, the Springfield Three, and Rodney. Uh, I'm going to look into that as well. Uh, Timothy Gibson, I'm glad the mom got closure on that. That's always right. great. And, you know, like, there's so many missing people. There's Betty Alexander of Insolvent. Um, you know, but like I said, um, and I want to thank, I'm going to end this, and um, we'll be back in touch again, and if anything else comes up, I'll I'll let you know. Like I said, once again, thank you, uh, Rebecca, and you can share that with you. Well, I, you know, I don't mind. Uh, I just want to, hmm, I guess I just wanted to, to make it clear to, to your listeners that if they have tips or if they have rumors or things that, that is substantiated about a case, I would encourage them to talk to police before they would talk to me or anybody like me, because so many times <laughs> it's very easy, and, and I'm sure that you know this as well, mm-hmm. for, for people to see movies and read books and see right. TV shows, and they think of reporters as another detective. Right. And that's exactly. that's not the case at all, right. especially for local reporters like us who are maybe two people in the news department for the entire county. I mean, that's we, we have enough to do and we don't have the training. We don't have the, the equipment. We don't have the resources the police have. So if there's really something that you think is credible and you're worried about reporting it, don't 
submit it third hand to somebody like me. Go ahead and go straight to the police, and you can report anonymously, anonymously if you need to. Exactly. But That's exactly. The big thing. I, yeah. Anonymous, right. anonymous tips stay anonymous. Right. Well, Rebecca, uh, thank you again. And then, uh, like you said, uh, if there's tips out there or if there's any information, please don't hesitate to contact the local authorities on any of those cases. Right. All right, Ms. Kramer. Well, thank you again for coming on to the show. And uh, I'm sure a lot of well, people... Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime. And if anything else comes up, then, um, you know, maybe we can share and have you back on again. All righty. Well, thank you very much. All right. All right. Bye-bye now.